It's a Cupid, stupid. <laughs> Shot through the heart. <laughs> Just keeps getting more. <laughs> Alright. Tonight we're bringing you a special Valentine's edition that we call Tainted Love, and the love is real tainted, let me tell you. <laughs> my name's Allison, and tonight I'm joined by my regular co-hosts, Drew. Hello. Andy. Hello. And Chris. Hello. Sometime we'll go in reverse order to, you know, mix it up. <laughs> or someone else could do the intro. That's also a possibility. <laughs> So for tonight's themed episode for February 2018, we decided to uh, watch a few different episodes from different series and kind of compare them and really just roll with the theme and have a good time. The first two that we uh, that we're going to talk about are actually the same story told twice. One is from a Twilight Zone episode, and uh, it's uh, called The Chaser. It's from season one. And it's episode number 31, and it originally aired in 1960. Um, the Chaser is based off of a short story by John Collier, and it uh, appeared as a short story in The New Yorker uh, back in December 20th of 1940. And then later on, it was redone as an uh, issue, as a story, and as an issue in the Tales from the Crypt comic book in issue number 25 as Loved to Death. And then later on for the television series, it's the, under the same title, Love to Death, and we watched both. And we also, just for fun, watched an episode from Friday the 13th, the series, called Cupid's Quiver. So we'll be discussing all three of those tonight. And, well, that Cupid. Uh, Ugly Cupid. Cupid is stupid sometimes. Mike, Mike Ditka Cupid. Or wait, no wait, what did, what did they say in Friday the 13th? The guy said, it's a Cupid it's stupid. Cupid. It's a Cupid stupid. There, there were a lot of quips. That was, that was yeah. probably my favorite from that episode. So, uh, you know, rather than get super in-depth with the Twilight Zone, as far as the history and the background, which I'd like to do at some point, um, when we were just focusing on Twilight Zone, I think we should just get right into the episode and, and talk about what we thought of it. Um, sure. Mm -hmm. Discuss any things. I can tell you uh, real quick, uh, as far as background details, um, it has three main characters, uh, Roger, uh, Leela, and Professor A. Demon. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so, for... Uh, Subtle. For the chaser, did anybody want to give a little summary of what the story is about? Yeah, I can I can do a brief synopsis. All right. Um, the chaser is pretty much you know a uh, a 
a guy is in love with a woman who does not return his advances, and we use in love with air quotes here because oh, yeah. he's just, you know, superficially attracted to this poor woman. Mm-hmm. Um, she wants nothing to do with him and keeps telling him to kind of buzz off, and he will just not leave her alone. Um, so, uh, while he's trying to get a hold of her, uh, in line for a payphone, which is something you don't see every day, <laughs> uh, those, those are gone, <laughs> um, uh, a fellow gives him the card of Professor A. Demon, who is our kind of, our alchemist, you know, devil player here, uh, who hooks him up with a love potion, and hijinks ensue. Hijinks ensue. So, I mentioned this in previous episodes, but if you are listening out of order and this is your very first episode, just warning, we will go into full spoilers for all of these episodes. Currently, uh, as we record this, The Twilight Zone is available on Netflix for streaming, so if you have Netflix. um, Another thing is, if you don't have Netflix, if you have a nearby library, every town I've ever lived in that has a local library has some form of the Twilight Zone, whether on DVD or Blu-ray or VHS, available for watching and, and uh, checking Probably not out. as much VHS anymore. You never know. Just don't know. Yeah. They're, well, all, they're all in a warehouse somewhere. In Oregon, yeah. it's still possible in some of the libraries, depending yeah. on your county library. But um, Or if you live in Portland, you could always be a patron of the wonderful movie Madness, where you could watch The Twilight Zone on a variety of formats. Mm-hmm. And that's um, a drink for Portland. Oh. Sure. Yeah, and um, as as far as uh, the other shows when we cover, when we get to that, I'll mention where you can find those as well. Also, this episode of Twilight, The Twilight Zone, as Allison mentioned earlier, came out in 1960, so if you're upset about spoilers, you're about almost 50 years late on that. <laughs> well, I think for really a lot older things, it's, it's fair warning because, you know, there could be somebody who just... You know, they never That's saw tw- the Twilight Zone when it aired as a rerun on television. Mm-hmm. And, um, Every New Year's, it still happens. Yeah, I, I almost, I almost think that people um, in their twenties to forties might be more familiar with the Tales from the Crypt television version of this story. Mm. But um, yeah, so did anybody want to talk a little bit more about impressions, or should we go a little bit more into what happens in the episode? Uh. I've got lots. I took notes this time. Um, Yay, Drew! <laughs> and most of my notes are on decor. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, there I, was, I've got uh, a couple costuming and set decoration. Yeah, I've got <laughs> a note on uh, you know all the books, and that was fun. But yeah, the set that, that set design is really awesome. Just room of books, but shot from above mm-hmm. a lot of the time, mm-hmm. which is a really great makes it look even deeper. And yeah. there's there's no. Uh, there's no backs to those giant bookshelves. The bookshelves are probably like what? Do you, what do you think? Like 15, 16 feet high at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and there's no backs to them. So I, I mean, if if I I don't think there is because yeah. there's like a the, it's not a black background of the so the, all the light kind of comes through. It's right. very creepy mm-hmm. and and uh, it's uh, I don't know kind of I get this Kafka esque kind of feel from it. Yeah. The, the room itself is also, it, the doorway to it is framed against pure black, yeah. and the hallway oh, to it yeah. is pitch black. I really right? like that. Like, and the doors all open automatically when you walk up to them. And one of my notes is even just a drawing of the doorknob, because it's an epic, cool, like, uh, diamond-shaped backing behind the doorknob. <laughs> yeah. I don't oh, know yeah. if anyone else noticed that. But yeah, it's a cool doorknob, yeah. <laughs> so this is the... 
study or a workplace or dwelling possibly of Professor just, A. Demon. Do, do you think he studied under Dr. Acula? Possibly, yeah. yeah. At least yeah. He's, he, he's probably an acquaintance or a colleague. <laughs> right, they're, they're colleagues probably. <laughs> no, I, th I think A. Demon lives there, does everything there. I don't think he leaves the room. If he's a for... demon, he probably doesn't need to sleep. Right. That's true. Well, he does leave the room in the end of the episode for mm, a second. That's mm. true. So, yeah, because uh, love, lovesick stalker Roger, played by uh, George Grizzard, is what I have in my notes. Works for me. I'm <laughs> possibly botching that pronunciation. I'm really sorry. If All I of his friends call him the Grizz. He's obsessed with this woman named Leela, uh, played by Patricia Berry, and uh, she is really clearly not interested. She's told him multiple times that she's not interested, but because... He sees her as a possession to be one and not a human being, will not back the fuck off. Mm. I've, I, <laughs> let me just say, I've, I've been that guy. Sorry, ladies. Sorry. <laughs> he didn't spike anybody's drink with a lot. No, I did not. Either. So <laughs> he, he goes to, he's referred to uh, Professor A. Demon uh, to help him with his cause, and he. Um, when he meets with him in this amazing study that we've been describing, he uh, basically says, oh, well, you know, I've got pretty much anything that you could want. I can, you know, help you become successful. I can help you um, gain money and, you know, fame, whatever you want, you know, power, riches, the sky's the limit, and he wants a love potion. And he's like, ugh. Is that all you want? So pedestrian. And he has different prices, and he keeps trying to push on him uh, you know, this type of poison that's uh, Well, you, know, you don't know it's really a... It's it's called the glove cleaner. Yeah, it's glove yeah. cleaner. No, glove cleaner, it comes in at the end, right? No, 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 no. He, he tries to sell it to him at the beginning. Oh, he offers that He says, what you really need is glove cleaner. And yeah. he says, no, 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 no. I want the love potion. Leaves right. no trace, no right. stains, no way of knowing it was used. Glove cleaner. <laughs> right, right. You, it, you don't really catch on, at least I didn't catch on, that it was poison until later. Mm. It's painless and odorless and, you know, just basically implying I have this perfect poison. And... He keeps going, no, 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 I need the love potion. And he says that the glove cleaner costs $1,000, but the love potion's only a dollar. And he says, love potions are my cheapest item. And he just, you know, he's, he says that people usually want the glove cleaner. Something <laughs> along those lines. Um, so, yeah, just, he ends up basically Gets doing... Gets the love potion. He's basically giving this woman... A weird version of a roofie. Yeah, yeah. I love roofies. Right. This is kind yeah. of a date rape story that turns into a weird marriage. I'm glad you brought it up because <laughs> I was I was uncomfortable this whole time, but that's what yeah. I was. Thinking. No, no, it's and totally it, a roofie situation. It's no, pretty it, gross. It reminds me there's there's actually an episode of Rick and Morty for any Rick and Morty fans out there. That the exact same thing happens oh, where sorry. where the Morty character wants a love potion and his scientist grandpa whips it up for him and he turns it back on him later on. He's like, "Look, I was just trying to do my science work. You want this awful date rape drug for your friends? I just did, I just gave it to you to shut you up and and now we have to deal with these terrible consequences." And that's you know, it basically is. It's horrible. Yeah. Hilarity ensues. Hilarity ensues. No. <laughs> what? And 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 so you know he he gets slips this potion into a drink and. Uh, Leela ends up. Oh, so I, have Lila, yeah. I have a note about Lila. that. Yeah, I have a note about that. Barcart 
Mm-hmm. Bar cart in the living room. I oh. love like the old just alcoholism rampant. Yeah, it was rampant. okay. Yeah. Well, as team. as we're recording this in our home bar with yeah, a bunch of booze bottles floating around. Well, I thought I thought for a minute, not knowing what to expect from this, uh, I thought for a minute he was gonna mess up and drink his own potion and then just fall madly in love with himself, mm. which would be an interesting angle. But um, mm. should be a fun new take on this story. Yeah, it yeah. would be kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and there is there is one thing I noticed. I don't want to jump ahead too much, but one the similarities between this and Tales from the Crypt is the love potion is it is is administered with quote one last drink. Yeah. Always. Yeah. So oh, yeah. never ever if someone's really hounding you, don't go for the one and last drink. And they say just just have a drink just with have me a drink and then I'll be me. out of the your hair hounding. forever. Yep. Which, just once. Espe- just once. Just Come especially... on, baby. Just once. And, and nope. which, especially in this day of age. Right. Seems yeah. so like like no, no. Which is do also not take a, that guy up on that. It's basically be, the date rape mantra. Yeah. yeah. Oh, just once. Come on, baby. Just yeah. once. Yeah. Creepy. Yeah. Yay Valentine's Day. Yeah, sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was roofied once. Ugh. I made Whoa. it home safely alone, thankfully. And Whoa. then later woke up. I basically had one beer with friends at uh, Max's Tavern in Eugene. So don't drink, guys, because it's in Eugene. Um, <laughs> I, was in, I was in college, or just out of college, and this creep, creeper guy was hovering around uh, my friends and I. And it was on oscar night i believe and we were just hanging out drinking paps it was oscar night it's a known night for hooking up in eugene of course yeah i don't know we were were just (laughs) you know so we were kind of in and out of the bar you know go outside and you know i was a social smoker back in the day don't hate me i don't anymore um but i you know would go outside have a cigarette with friends and and it was a local bar that i drank in all the time and it was a sunday night and the bar was fairly empty so it wasn't on guard like I would normally be and finished my beer went home about an hour and a half later I felt like the room was spinning and I felt really ill and I had the nastiest hangover from one paps in a time in my life where it would have taken a lot more and (laughs) you know it, it just definitely something was not right and a friend of mine who was in nursing school at the time said i really think somebody slipped drugs into your drink oh, and God. seeing how i was being pursued by a creeper that night i'm pretty sure that's what was going on oh. Ugh, the guy was so creepy he kept coming and be like my dad is a booth at the country fair i could probably get you in you should come to my car with me oh. <laughs> yeah yeah we'll try uh, that right now yeah yeah, I was with lots of people, so I... <laughs> not on that note. Yeah. So, watch your drinks, kids. Watch them closely. Don't don't trust anybody that's been stalking mm-hmm. you to hand you a drink. No. No. That's the moral of the story. If someone's yes. acting creepy, don't let them touch your booze. And if you are a stalker out there, take a minute to get some help. Yes. <laughs> Therapy. Think this is about... This public service this person, It is. This person is not you know, an, a thing for you to possess. And likely, they are the person you think they are anyway. Because if you're obsessed with them, it means you're in love with some weird projection in your head that doesn't mm-hmm. exist. And odds are there is someone else out there for you. You know, you just got to keep trying. Stick with it. The more you know. Well, I think the original draft 
of the script for this, he learns to just kind of respect himself, and he finds a hobby and just learns to love who he is inside. And then, <laughs> that's, that's the non-Twilight and, and then, version and then, of this. And then Rod certainly read it and was like, what is this shit? <laughs> <laughs> well, this he threw the, his whiskey on the, the wrong side so We have to teach him a lesson. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't read the, the John Collier story, the original <laughs> short story, but I, I think it's probably pretty close to what happens here. Um, one thing I'll mention is uh, because this backfires in the way that the professor, you know, kind of tries to subtly warn him about that you're not going to be happy with the results of this, the woman becomes obsessed with him mm -hmm. and he's totally turned off by it and she basically becomes his lap dog, you know. I think the professor says something about she's going to turn into a golden retriever or something like that. A Pomeranian. A Pomeranian, yep. yeah. Something less dignified than a golden retriever. <laughs> yeah, when, he, when, he, when he's initially getting the love potion, he straight up tells him, just get a dog, dude. Yeah, well, right, yeah. Yeah, yes. I mean, that's really, if you want, if you want, you know, an animal or something to love you unconditionally, don't get a box turtle. Because no. I have two of those. <laughs> Let me tell you, the love is not strong on their end. <laughs> Desire to eat you. <laughs> Maybe, but um, yeah, so it, it doesn't work, and big sh shocking surprise to no one, and he comes back for the glove potion. The glove cleaner. Or, yeah, the glove. The, the glove, glove cleaner. cleaner. Yeah, glove cleaner. And he is planning to poison her, and she reveals she's pregnant, and he ends up... Well, I mean, there's... So there's the glove. He goes back, gets the glove cleaner. You know, the I knew you'd be you'd be back. And spends you know. his life savings on it. Right. And so life yeah. savings of a thousand dollars. This was a while ago. So, uh, no, I looked it up. I looked it up too. Yeah. yeah. I, I looked it up, and it's like eighty three hundred dollars. It is. It's like eight grand. Oh my God. Yeah. Money. Yeah. Inflation's yeah. a killer, folks. Invest oh. wisely. I, yeah. Jeez. I didn't realize it was there was that much. I I knew a thousand dollars a lot back then, but I didn't realize how much the yeah. Yeah, which means that guy who was handing out money in the um, in the phone line was basically giving people like ten bucks right. you know, per person right. yeah. to move in front of the phone line. But yeah, so he he goes back, gets the glove cleaner, and then he's proceeding to plan to poison her. They're gonna have another thing of champagne. Cause it's their six month wedding. Six anniversary. month anniversary yeah. Yeah, since they got married, and. Uh, so yeah, he's gonna poison her, sets it up, and this is when I was waiting for just like. You on when he gave the potion, mm -hmm. I was waiting for him to get the glasses. Mixed oh yeah, up. Right, well, because right. he shifts his posture right. two or three times, which I think they did on purpose totally to give you that like, oh yeah. man, he's gonna drink it, he's gonna drink it. Yeah, you know, you're waiting for him to drink it, but instead of him drinking it, she holds up the one little booty she's knitting. No, which is the implication. No, you gotta make him one booty at a time. I know. I'm sorry. I'm you don't knit double booties. <laughs> double booties. Anyways, uh, then he's so shocked by it that could be a that third he, booty. he drops the two things of champagne, and at least he said like he he kind of redeems his character by saying I couldn't have done it anyway. Couldn't couldn't have murdered her anyway. Yep, couldn't have done it anyway. And then and then then uh, the, the icing on the cake is Professor A. Demon appears on their really nice balcony. Yeah, pans um, over. Yeah, and uh, and blows a smoke ring, which turns into a heart. And then he. I disappears. love that. Yeah, I thought that was great. Really cool yeah. It's a nice rotoscope. Fantastic. Yeah. Now I don't know if that's how things end 
in that in story. short story. I kind of imagine that it has a darker ending just because Twilight Zone was airing on television in mm-hmm. 1960 and you couldn't have a murder-suicide situation or especially someone killing their pregnant wife on television right, in 1960. Right. So I don't know how the how the story ends in the original short story. But um, any anything anybody wants to say about this episode before we move on to yeah, Tales some, from the Crypt? Um, no, the only thing I ever wrote down was I wanted to know what uh, Leela did for like a living or. She just seemed to be in a penthouse. Yeah, she... I kind of thought, like, maybe it was, like, a breakfast at Tiffany's situation. Oh. Mm-hmm. Where oh. she just has gentleman callers. <laughs> Could be. She kind of seemed the type. Yeah. yeah. What if, well, and, and she was obviously waiting for somebody else when, uh, when What's-His-Name shows up. Oh, Roger, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I feel like Roger maybe was once a gentleman caller to pay her way, and he got too obsessed or well, something. And what, what did Roger do? Did he mention... What no, no, no profession is ever mentioned. Well, he, was able to plunk down, he was able to plunk down the equivalency of about eighty five hundred bucks, and then he has that really nice smoking jacket. You know, uh-huh. really well, and it's a very good apartment. And yeah, it it, it, yeah. it mentions that he is he's also in his early twenties, so he's he's. I saw he, that too. Yeah, he has, yeah. He has a life savings of about eighty five hundred bucks, and he's like twenty two, twenty three. <laughs> you know? Youthful twenties, and I was like, yeah, the cast of guy in his mid to late thirties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So <laughs> people aged faster back then. It was all the smoke. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, was yeah. all, it was it was that sweet yeah. smoke. Well, you know, yeah, you go into my uncle. Uh, my great uncle went to join the uh, the army when he was probably like 17, 16 or seventeen or something. Oh, yeah, people they, used to they forge they documents to get into the army. To get into yeah. the army, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it meant something different back then. That, on that, the other hand, this was pre-Vietnam. You know what? On the other hand, if you're joining up to fight Nazis, then go for it. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> More power to you. <laughs> I sort of feel like that's how the end of the original short story is. <laughs> he, he drops the love potion. The Nazis invade. <laughs> All right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So after yeah, invading no Nazis, we, uh, uh, we're into 80s. Yeah. That's a weird segue. Yeah. Okay, so um, later on this became uh, an issue or a story in the issue of Tales from the Crypt and so this would have been the Tales from the Crypt just from what I've read in the background of the comic would have probably come out before the Twilight Zone episode or around the same time um because the original story was uh 19 was written in 1940 um so this this it was in Tales from the Crypt uh, issue number 25, and it appeared as Loved to Death. Um, then later on uh, in, let's see, I believe it's the second season or third season of the television series. I failed to write that down. Sorry, guys. Um, so later on, it's an episode of Tales from the Crypt, and it stars uh, Mariel Hemingway, who plays the woman that's being pursued and this time her name is Miranda mm-hmm. and Bryce Hemingway's granddaughter mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me and she's being pursued by Edward Foster who's played by Brat Packer Andrew McCarthy also mm-hmm. as I know him Weekend at Bernie's <laughs> Good old weekend and more at recently in um, The Dark Knight <coughs> he's, the, uh, he's, in the, he's the uh, newscaster guy really? Mm-hmm. yeah Oh. It's, pretty, it's pretty funny. In the Dark Knight? 
Yeah, and then I think when he's on the scene when they're when they blow up the hospital, and then he's like, "Oh, let's get out of here." Yeah, hmm. it's Andrew McCarthy. It's like the funniest casting ever. Okay. And they actually give them occupations in this version. So yes. you have uh, you have Miranda is an actress who seems like she's has I don't know what would you say like middling success. She's not a star, but hey, she's she, getting she regular is a work. She, star. she headlined Bikini Bimbos. Okay. okay. No, no, no. Is bikini, bimbo. I, I wrote one down. Bimbo Beach Patrol. Oh, She'd be doing like 80s, uh, like Andy Sedaris and like David Dakota movies. Right. Like, she was a straight to video queen. Yeah. S- sure. I think Mariel Hemingway was also making similar movies around was that she? time. I'm not so real familiar with I remember her. sneaking downstairs at three in the morning to watch cable, and I remember uh, Mariel Hemingway. T- being in a few of those movies that I would watch that were mm. not appropriate at the age I was. Not age appropriate. <laughs> those are the best memories. <laughs> exactly. That's okay. exactly age appropriate. That's yeah. what they're geared towards. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. I also believe another one of her lines in this episode is full frontal nudity is not a problem for me. Yeah. <laughs> right. so, oh, there's know. a lot of good lines. The, the, there there are. This, down. The, the, the writing in this is, you know, as per usual for Tales of the Crypt, just excellent. Tales so, from the Crypt is just really excellent. Yeah. It still holds up. Totally it's a does. great series. So she is the bee queen actress trying to get up higher, and then he is quit his job as a blocker at a hat factory right. mm-hmm. to become the next great screenplay writer. And, he's, and a... he's writing great screenplays, which is how it starts off as his imagination of screenplays, Ooh. with amazing writing as... Oh my god, it's practically talking to me, as his character in his story says as she opens up his pants. Yes. It's practically talking to me. It's and then when well, then he kinda of snaps out of it mm-hmm. as he's writing it and realizes what he's done, and there's an interesting double entendre because then he goes to he goes to his sink and realizes the water doesn't run in his sink like he's washing his hand, and I thought, oh, are they I think that's what that was. I was like, wow, that's even for HBO. That's a... I didn't even catch that. No, no. no. This, this version of maybe that's just, is... Maybe that's just a comp. Maybe, well, there is, maybe I should relate all there is well some, a slight bit of uh, partial nudity in this episode. Too. There is. Mm-hmm. Right. It is HBO, she, she, so it's she, like, oh, She takes her bra at the washing machine. Right, she's gonna wash, she's washing her clothes down in the basement. This is where the writer first sees the actress is down in the basement. He's gonna do his laundry, and she's already doing her laundry, talking on the phone. And then she takes her shirt off to take her bra off to wash the bra, then puts oh, her right. shirt back on. Which mm-hmm. no woman would do in a shared laundry room. No. With an entire apartment well, building. But I would say well, if you, if I've you, seen it happen a million times on TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say if you probably tried that today. Did you uh, ever see that arrested. in our apartment laundry room in our old building? Oh, good Lord. No, no, but there's a few times while doing my laundry in our old apartment building that I heard the upstairs neighbors having very angry sex. Not good for them. Anyway. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> so if you're listening, you know, good on you. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Yes, we heard you. They don't know us. Yeah, the entire apartment building. And, and so, the, in, in this version of the story, instead of Professor 
a demon, we have a man named Mr. Stronin. Yeah. And he is a landlord who lives on the top floor, and he kind of has video surveillance everywhere, and he's watching Edward get uh, shot down by Miranda repeatedly and, and basically decides to intercede and offer his help. Yeah, and I, I have to say, I actually like Miranda's character a lot, because she's, you know, she's a go-getter, she obviously knows what she wants, um, she just screams at her agent all the time, but she's very upfront with, uh, what's it, David, the writer? Oh, Edward. Uh, Edward. Edward. Edward, the writer. You know, she's like, look, I don't think either of us can do anything for each other, it's sweet that you're interested in me, but, you know, it's just not the right time for us, you know, if you ever get rich, give me a call, basically, you know, screw off. Um, but she's friendly. She's not. A, she's not a jerk about it. Yeah. yeah. She. She lets. She's honest, and she lets him down easy. Uh, but he just doesn't take no for an answer in this one. So I have a lot less sympathy for Edward in this one. I have zero sympathy for either version of this character. But fair, yeah, fair. Um, there's something about the Andrew McCarthy version that's kind of even less likable. And I don't dislike Andrew McCarthy, <laughs> but he's just so. I don't know, kind of sappy and whiny, and his fantasy of who he wants Miranda to be as this just, I don't know, bubble-headed blonde who's wearing the Donna Reed, you know, stay-at-home wifey well, outfit, and well, then she rips it. it off to the horror yes. bodice. It's a very... It's so on the nose. It's, yeah, it's so very, because, because mm -hmm. in reality, Miranda is, you know, she's a brunette, and she's... Um, you know, well dressed, but right. you know, nothing, nothing, nothing stereotypical. You know, she's a woman of the time, and, mm -hmm. uh, and but then his idealized version is this like blonde bimbo, like right. the, it's his not idea, her. It's, yeah. it's, it's her character from the Bimbo Beach Patrol. Exactly, yes, exactly. Yeah. the kind of characters, that, and she's fighting against. She's fighting against that kind of like stereotype, but yeah, then still idealized by a guy that can't when, see past that. And he's a screenwriter. He's like, oh, you're perfect for this. And, oh, and, and the, the use of hallucination in this one is good, too, because he yes. oh, yeah. this, there's, a, there's a poster of It's a Wonderful Life hanging over his bed that he talks to, which is a mm. red flag. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but he keeps seeing it change. He sees, he sees Miranda's character appear in it, and he keeps seeing her appear in his fantasy of the screenplay. Um, he starts seeing himself appear in this posters of the two uh, lovers opposite each other, and it's a wonderful life, or mm -hmm. his face and her face. Um, it's it's great. It's it is a great use of visual metaphor. That's one of the my favorite things Not actually metaphor. about this series overall is just how uh, the visual storytelling works so well because they've tried to imitate that comic book style and yeah. you get so much communicated to you in just one shot or one frame yeah. Yeah. of the story mm -hmm. and that's it's it's great i just i absolutely love it there's lots of little details you could watch this episode several times over and you know i've seen this a few times over the years and i always see something new it's been yeah. a few years since i watched it last but yeah this is definitely quality i really enjoyed the twilight zone version as well but this there's just a really nice I don't know, that it's so pulpy and larger than life and colorful and, like I said before, on the nose with the symbolism mm -hmm. that I really appreciate about this version. Yeah, yeah. that's great. It's very it's very stylized. Um, in the same way that the Twilight Zone is, kind of with its unusual mm -hmm. set design, well, um, it's a dreamlike state, but it's also, uh, it's the, the thing I like is when you watch the Twilight Zone version of the story, there's a certain kind of acting that probably was typical of its time 
but you can tell a lot of those actors came from theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a very broad, it's a very broad, big style of acting. But then I think they went with that in Tales from the Crypt, and instead of it being, instead of pulling back, making it really withdrawn and and subtle it's still they're like oh now we're gonna go camp we're gonna we're gonna oh, bring yeah. the camp out and it's so fun to just see people just like go crazy with the material yeah the um the, the twilight zone i actually made a note of this is that the twilight zone feels classy it is just yes. like you say you get Definitely. that feeling there's like there's theater actors in it the staging the sets are all just or it, even when he pours the original champagne drink mm-hmm. he like gets the towel, yeah, gets the towel, lays, oh, yes, the towel on his arm, his arm. Yeah. pops the champagne cork it doesn't know? spill any no yeah. he's, he's on it um as opposed to, like you're saying, you know, this this larger-than-life, pulpy, campy, you know, e- in its own way equally wonderful, but very different in, yeah. uh, in the Tales from the Crypt. It's, it's, it's awesome to compare the two. Well, and I also noticed the other, the other kind of, like, funny similarity but contrast of its time uh, mm-hmm. was in the Twilight Zone, he keeps, he keeps pressuring her, pressuring her, and she calls him a... Uh, a silly, stupid, sophomoric clod, which is, yeah. you know, just like great writing and just a mouthful. But a silly, stupid, sophomoric clod compared to then 30 some odd years later when uh, she calls him, I believe, a dipshit little Midwest weasel. Because <laughs> <So, laughs> they're both from in a great yeah. description of the character. Yes, yes. right. No, yeah. he is a dipshit little Midwestern Midwest little weasel. weasel. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. But yeah. it's so verbose and it's so biting and just so good. So he uh, he meets with his landlord, who is right. who is well, the... his landlord watches from. A giant camera yes. mounted above his front door, and so he knows everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. And then one day, when he's brooding over the fact that he can't have her, uh, and he's oh no, he's paying the rent. Yes. And then the landlord that no one ever sees, while he's paying the rent, slipping it under the door, the door automatically opens, just like in the first just version. Like the first one, yeah. The and then curtains open, just like in the. So it's kind of got that throwback there. Mm-hmm. And instead of interesting parallel, instead of, uh, or I guess contrast, instead of books, the landlord has TV screens everywhere. He's got a CCTV. Mm-hmm. He right. He is, yeah. This yeah. is, we're not dealing with a man of education anymore. We're dealing mm-hmm. with uh, someone who watches people. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, and and it's got stories, a... multiple stories that these people have. Right. right. So uh-huh. that's interesting. Yeah. And, uh, in this one, the guy has a bunch of pictures of women on the walls. Just walls and walls of women. Yep. But, like, you can tell that they're dating back quite a ways, you mm-hmm. know? There's some, like, kind of classic actress right. photos. They're all very much, like, headshot photos. Yeah. But, like, back into, like, the before talkies came around kind of headshots. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a cool touch. You yeah, know? so it he's, tells he's you, been, you know, he's been collecting women in some way for a while. Yes. So I did look it up. It's a season three episode, and I think it's the first episode of season three. Hmm. Um, anyway, I could be wrong about that, but it's definitely season three. It aired in 1991. Okay, originally. so just, just over 30 years after the original. Yeah. Um, let's see. I didn't really have any other 
any other things to talk about other than the way the ending is different in this one? Well, we should note that he doesn't charge for the potion in this one. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. He doesn't. So he goes yeah. in, walks past all the photos of the women, makes a comment about the women, and then mm -hmm. that's when he's... I didn't quite figure out what was going on at first with the thing, because, like, he says, oh, I never met a one of them. So, like, he has all these photos of women on his wall, but he's mm -hmm. never met any of them. Yeah. And, like, you know... He gives him the free potion. Yep, the love and potion. And then the same thing goes down. One last drink. Again, one last drink. That's so not right. Yep. And so she drinks hers real quick and then uh, throws them out. I did like that she was more abrupt about things. And the first one, the girl kind of is like, okay, I feel bad for you, you know, whatever. Yeah. And the other one... The later one, it's more of just like, this is going to get you to leave me alone? All right, I'll down this drink real quick. Now you're at the door. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, doesn't she even say, let's pretend you drank yours too? Right, yeah, yeah. 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 He's <laughs> waiting around with a drink in his hand. Yeah. She said, let's pretend you drank yours and, you know, call yeah, it get it out. And then, uh, of course, then she turns to, and then she starts wearing the... It turns she into wearing an insatiable the, sex beast. Right, <laughs> and she's wearing the little outfits that he wanted, and... Every time she takes them off, she's always wearing god-awful 80s lingerie underneath. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a Fridrichs of Hollywood catalog. <laughs> Unflattering, <laughs> weird, frilly-designed 80s lingerie. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and eventually, and then... bad blonde wig. Exactly. Yeah. Well, but, th but that's the irony, too, is that eventually her hair is exactly like how his initial fantasies of her... Right. Mm -hmm. But unlike the other one where she's just in love with him all the time and won't leave him alone this time she just wants sex constantly yeah she's yeah and she's like succubusing him right yeah. he's being drained of his life force <laughs> is what they're putting on here yeah well like at one point he's hiding in the bed in a trench coat right <laughs> yeah Let's make this more difficult. Yeah. So, so he's got the the man upstairs, the landlord, has the photos of all these women, and he's sort of instigating, or I mean, mm. he's not creating the situation, but he's helping it along. It's almost like in this version, like he's almost kind of like a a serial killer yeah. in a way. Like he's, totally. he he's, sees these women are notches on his wall. Woman. Yeah, right. Without having to pull the Whereas trigger. The the de the demon character in in the Twilight Zone version seems like he was, you know, he he's not a malicious person. He's going to enable you if you ask him to, but he's definitely not going to lead you down that path. Yeah, and, well, hold your well, hand. and he's constantly seen... trying to talk him out exactly. of it too. Like he's a likable, he's a likable character, and he seems actually pretty wise. Mm -hmm. And um, and this guy though seems like he's a sleaze. He's ball. getting off yeah. on yeah. it. Well, he even lives in like a little sleaze ball, voyeuristic, uh, you know, dungeon of an apartment. Yeah. Well, he's got that like set of like in that TikTok. movie Sliver. Did right. you guys ever see yes. that? Yes. Oh, it's totally like Sliver. William yeah. Baldwin movies with Sharon Stone, total sleaze ball movie from the nineties. He's got that apartment. He's the landlord. <laughs> yeah. He's surveilling everybody it's without them knowing. It's based on an Ira Levin novel. I know. It's so is, uh, weird. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. As far as the suspense and the fact that he's writing about a um, an apartment building that might be bad for your health. Oh yeah, but also just the social baby. the social commentary. Yeah, and, yeah. Know, Eleven is like beyond his time in some ways. But yeah, so this guy is sort of like a, he's like that character. He's a creeper. Yeah. 
And then, um, and then this ending, we actually have. Right, he gets uh, the poison. He's to gonna her. go through with it, and he doesn't hesitate. He is foiled though by uh, Mariel Hemingway's character brings the glasses over to drink, and she noticed one is a little bit dirty because he's been fiddling with it to put the poison in, and mm-hmm. she says, "Oh, I should drink out of the dirty glass." So she. Or wait, oh. so no, it's the, the glass, right. her glass that he's intended for her is a clean one. <coughs> is yeah. a clean Super one. Super pristine. Right. And, and then there's a dirty one, just happened to be that the dirty yeah, one so was she the takes good one. The glass that he intended for himself, and he ends up drinking the poison. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> and then we, and we oh, get another and, wonderful ending scene. And <laughs> so he dies and just goes straight to heaven because that's what happens that's when what, you're a date rapist that plans on killing a he woman. He didn't actually murder anyone, so straight to uh, heaven. I guess. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. And he's a little, you know, in, floating around on his cloud trying to figure out what's going on. And Bernie's there. Yeah. We can get Bernie's. Um. And then he hears her calling his name, and she finds him and explains to him that once he was dead, she just couldn't go on living, and she jumped out the window. And of course, jumping out windows does not make a pretty sight. No. So then it reveals, she turns around, she's got like weird smushed in face, she kind of looks a little bit like, um, what did I say, uh... And so then she wants a kiss. Yeah. <laughs> They're gonna be together forever. Forever. Ever, yeah. And and that um I did a quick I didn't read it super thoroughly, but I did a quick read through of the comic online and that's pretty much how it ends in that Tales from the Crypt printed version as well. Mm. So that's, you know, they tried to stay pretty close to the story, at least from what was in the comic. Um, again, I didn't read the New Yorker short story, so I couldn't tell you how that one ends. But, no. but yeah, I mean, it's, it seems more contemporary, and also, you know, Tales from the Crypt was a series that was going for the horror rather than, you know, the right. cautionary tales and, part of it. And it's subversive, too. Yeah, right? yeah, the, the, the pulpy, subversive. They could probably looking for tale. some horror and some lingerie and exactly. a shot of nipple. Yeah. Yeah. They, could, they could push the HBO. more salacious, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, more salacious content, content in there. I think it, I, I, I have to agree with Allison's comment earlier. It's hard to feel a lot of sympathy for either of the, uh, the, the, the male main characters in this. Um, partly because it never occurs to them, and this is the question that I asked out when I, when I saw both of these, is why don't they just get some love potion, you know, when they, they get some yeah. girls that are obsessed with them, um, you know, they're obviously nice women, you know, the things seem to be going well. Sure. Why, do, why is your first thought, I'm going to kill this girl and move on with my life? Why don't you just get some love potion, fall in love with them? Or What's even my them? And then maybe they'd actually love them. And then maybe you'd move actually move away, them. you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. or yeah. leave. Go into hiding. How hard can it be to hide from a person, you right? know? And, you, you know, do it all the time. Professor Demon selling love potions. Well, because for, because you know? uh, it, that's kind of the irony too. Where it's like they don't, they don't see the error of their ways. You know, because yeah. then he says, yeah. "Not smart people." He says, no. "You know, here's here's your way out. Here's some poison." But he says, "No, no, I don't want this for me. I'm not going down like that. You know, I'll use this on her." You know, he doesn't right. realize the mistake he's made. So, and he also you know slaps her at one point because he can't you know. He can't stand her. So, I mean, they yeah. really sell the, like... Yeah. Well, and also there, again, you know, I mean, the first the first version, the Twilight Zone version, is called The Chaser. 
and it really sums up the personality of the guy pursuing the girl because he is attracted to her because she's unavailable. The minute she becomes available and then too available, he loses interest, and then you have the double meaning because the love potion has the chaser of the poison. Mm -hmm. And and in this, you know, in in (laughs) the Tales from the Crypt version, it's basically the same thing. You know, he... He never actually really knew this person. He was attracted to her physically, had this idealized version of her in his head, which she wasn't, drugs her into becoming that, and then he can't stand it when he got what he wanted. He got exactly what he wanted, and then he's like, this is repulsive. I'm like, yeah, of course it's repulsive, because you didn't want a person. You wanted, you know, a bimbo caricature to wait on you like a happy little puppy dog. Yeah. then he wants to dispose of her because it's no longer inconvenient. It's so. uh, it reminds me of um, that comic. I think it's Perry Bible Fellowship mm. with the the little girl and there's a fairy and the fairy says, um, "I'll grant you any wish you want." And the little girl says, "I wish I could talk to animals." And the final panel is like she's talking to this horse and the horse is like, "No, aren't you paying attention? Jet fuel can't melt steel beams. Look at the fact." <laughs> I was about to say reanimator and then I thought no no oh, okay this might seem this might seem like a like a weird <laughs> a like day. a weird example because it's not a happy ending mm-hmm. but did you guys ever see uh the Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula oh yeah like, Winona Ryder ends up doing what needs to be done mm-hmm. even though she loves Dracula and she ends up putting him out of his misery and releasing him from the prison of being a vampire. Mm-hmm. Spoilers for Bram Stoker's Dracula. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go read a book. <laughs> it really, you know, I'm not the first person to say this. This is not an original thing, but it's not really an, a faithful retelling of Bram Stoker's Dracula. It is Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, but that's yeah. not what it's called. But that would be the first thing that comes to mind for me. I, as far as, like, in any kind of television horror stories or just classic horror movies, mm. I, I don't know. Like, I it's, think it seems like a lot of these relationships are dysfunctional. More than often than not that it goes, it goes wrong. Yeah, and I'm thinking back to our Christmas episode where, where the, the wife just outright murders her oh, that's right. Mm. Christmas Eve, yeah. Well, I, can, I, think, uh. I think because often in horror you don't see... Unless somebody's losing a loved one when it's focusing on characters who are enacting maniacal plots in one way or another. Mm -hmm. They're not operating from a place of real love. They might be lustful or obsessive, but that's, you know, the nature of love and healthy love isn't being expressed to begin with. So, and, and usually just, I don't know, it's, these stories are really interesting to me because I think there's sort of, 
and and this isn't gender specific. I mean, these stories are talking about men pursuing women, but I think it's just sort of an immature adolescent idea of love that can happen whether you're male or female, where you can fixate on somebody or obsess on somebody, whether it's somebody somebody that you know or it's a celebrity, you know, mm-hmm. rock star mm-hmm. or something. These obsessive crushes where you think, oh, how wonderful it would be if I could be with this person, but you don't know them, and it's, you're in love with an idea right. that you've projected out of your own mind. And so so often that's the case, and, and hopefully as you grow and mature, you figure out the difference between that kind of infatuation and something real that lasts day yeah. in and day out, you know? Mm-hmm. But That's an excellent point. That doesn't make for good horror. It doesn't, and I think that's, that's the key here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so then he's in heaven slash hell. So purgatory. Kind of, yeah. yeah Actually, there's yeah. That, that episode of uh, Night Gallery, uh, Sheila's Voice with John Aston, which when we do our John Aston oh, appreciation right. episode, we should we should talk about. But there's a kind of, and has a similar theme where the guy tries to escape his wife mm. and and he says, you know, what are you doing here? I, you said you're in heaven, and she's like, "Well, I'm in heaven, and you're right. in hell, and I get to talk <laughs> to you as much as I want for as long as I want." Oh man, it's pretty great. So we'll get to that I, down the road. I yeah. want to point out that, um, in addition to other uh, discrepancies uh, of uh, Andrew McCarthy's character, um, he's also not a very good screenwriter because at a oh. certain point, when he does the autocorrect and he replaces the Louise, the the girl in his script is named Louise, and he autocorrects it all to be Miranda, because now he's in love with Miranda. Mm-hmm. And above the little classic Mac window with the auto-replace, you can see some dialogue that he's written, and I caught the end of it, and it says, Don't forget to put water in the something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, he couldn't think of putting water in what, but that's that's what he, that's what he wrote. He's stuck so, on that part. He's stuck on that part, so... Mm-hmm. I mean, he, knew, he knew that there should be water involved, and yeah. it should be put in there. Put the water in the something. Mm-hmm. I'm a little disappointed, because there's a point in which uh, practically Miranda decides to help him with his <laughs> screenplay. She's being helpful, in yeah. air quotes. Oh. And she jumps on his computer when he's not there when he's trying to get poison to kill her she's like on the computer oh, yeah. fixing things and he goes and he looks at it and it's horrible but we don't get to see what yeah. it is and he are we've seen what he writes which is no good right, but what yeah, if yeah. what she wrote was he actually writes, better I, I was, well, I was, I was hoping. she's a professional actress it might no, be an right. I, I was actually really hoping for a twist ending on this one where it turns out that she writes something amazing and in a jealous fit of rage he wants to kill her because <laughs> she's a better writer I, than he I, is I just, uh, I just thought maybe she wrote the whole thing in like wingdings. <laughs> you know, it's, so it's just crap. <laughs> yeah. And to and to all of our younger viewers, there is an excellent example of what computers looked like, you know, before our, our current era oh, of yes. computers here. Computers circa 1991. You mean yeah. phones? Phones, no. <laughs> so you talking about phones? That's what I write on. I'm talking about a... I, I can't so even remember what model before we leave... Uh, love to death there's just one more line that because there's a lot of great crazy weird one-liners in this <laughs> oh yeah not <laughs> jokes just like weird lines right yeah. and so when he first makes her fall in love with them they have like a fast embrace crazy kiss to which she says 
Christ, you taste good. And Ew. he replies, I, I know. know. <laughs> so good. Does he think, so does he think he saw Han Solo? Take a drink. Yeah, I'm mean, hoping that's Han Solo's fault. It was you this time. Wow. Wow. Because, first of all, he's not. And second of all, it's just a weird thing to the say. It really is. It's that it, awkward. There's so much clothes ripping in this episode, too. Yeah. Oh, that poor costume. Just yeah. coming yeah. off. Regular bodice ripper. Yeah. So, those, so those buttons on. I want to point out something that's uh, of interest to music fans. Um, the music for this episode was done by Jimmy Webb. And Jimmy Webb is uh, an American singer-songwriter. Well, I think more of a songwriter than a singer. I don't know if he had his own. But he wrote Wichita Lineman, uh, By the Time I Get to Phoenix, and MacArthur Park. Yeah. Uh, but he, and he wrote the music. Oh, God. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. It's just Davenport bleeding a little. It's yeah. haunted. There's um, like a candle almost beamed Chris in the head. We have a we have a Classic. really gothic over the top candelabra with oh, battery powered flicker candles in it and because one just one just flew at Chris. Because so. yeah. I invoked the name of Jimmy Webb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did, did you look up the name of that, that classical love piece that was playing in the Twilight you Zone know, by I the way? I could not find it. Okay. And it's such like the, in the in the Twilight Zone version of uh, this story, The Chaser, they play this um, theme that's just a really yeah. classic theme Yeah, they use it in so many different things. A lot of times in cartoons, when mm-hmm. like a cartoon animal falls in love with another right. animal, you know, it's like whenever Bugs Bunny's in drag and whoever you know, it happens by. Yeah. 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 titled Love or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I thought for a minute, I thought, it was theme, it. I thought it was theme for a summer place, but I don't think that, it, it's not that. I couldn't find that, anything about I it. I want to say that, it's, piece they always play whenever the sun is rising the da 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 that's wind till overture isn't it uh no it's called morning that is not the wind till overture no but isn't a part of the whole suite i'm not sure if it's like part of it but i just know that actual piece is called morning i played it in high school oh that's my little classical knowledge right about the about about it being part of William Telemetry. I won't swear to that because I think I think you're right. Think where, where, where it transitions to the trumpets all I think, of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a twelve minute. It's a it's a. I think it's a, like a twelve minute suite, and mm-hmm. it has a morning thing, and then he does the. It's part of the story, and he tries to shoot the air off. Is right. So the, yeah. then the end is the chase scene, and then that's the Lone Ranger theme that we all know. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Huh. Okay. Yeah. No, I wasn't able to figure out what the piece is that's okay. in that episode, oh. but it's. Such a recognizable, perfect falling in love over yeah. the top silly thing. To the point where you hear it now and it's ridiculous. It's a cliche now, but yeah. Sure. I, I guess if anybody listening knows the name of that uh, that classical piece that's, that over-represents love, please let us know what it is. It's going to be a, a fun piece of trivia. In fact, one of the times it plays is in, um, I think it's in Wayne's World. When uh, oh, when Garth is yeah, in the donut yeah, yeah. shop and, and he sees hits him in the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they play it, and mm-hmm. he's he's uh, he's looking at his dream woman at at uh, Stan Mikita's donuts, and he goes, "Ow!" But it's not Foxy Lady. Ow! No, not, that's the second it's time. Not the classic, it's not the classic. It's not the classical music no. piece, Foxy Lady, by <laughs> Johann Sebastian Bach. There's a lot of. <laughs> There was a lot of 12-year-old boys that would sing that song and do the dance. Oh, I was very good at that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. 
course, you would have been, what, a 15-year-old boy at the time? 14. When the 14. movie came out? <laughs> when the movie came out? No, I, Chris and I are the same age. I was 11. I no, saw yeah, I was, I was 12, I think. Yeah. But we I did that. I guess I just kept doing it until I was exactly. 13. Exactly. I, so. I did that dance until I was, like, 28 or something. What are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> Last week. Yeah. <laughs> Silly dances don't happen at this house. No, no, yeah. never. Anyway. <laughs> Good right. thing this isn't a video podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, shifting gears into our Friday the Thirteenth so, episode. So this this next this next episode that we watched for our Valentine's themed episode is definitely related and has similar themes, but it's not the same exact story. Um, and it's an episode of Friday the Thirteenth the series, which I'm going to go into just a little bit in case you're not familiar with this. Um, so Friday the 13th, the series, was a series that came out in the late 80s, and it shared a producer with the Friday the 13th movie franchise, but the story had nothing to do with Jason or Camp Crystal Lake or Wait, any of that. We're not covering Jason Falls in Love right now? No. <laughs> no. Jason, really, I really want to see that episode. No, with, with, with Hollywood the way it is now, I'm surprised we don't have an origin story with Jason's mother and the conception of Jason. And oh, who stop is Jason's, giving people ideas. Who is Jason's serial killer father? Where did that no, come from? Eli, no. Eli no, wait, Roth no, 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 actually, I Okay, I haven't seen it, so I can't. I can't tell you verbatim, but I've, I've heard that they try to do that in uh, Jason Goes to Hell, which right. is the only Friday the 13th movie I haven't seen, because I just no. thought, well, what's the point? Yeah. Um, and I'm a huge Friday the 13th fan, and I just thought, yeah. Well, and I think in Jason versus Freddy, I think an earlier plot was that Freddy was a camp counselor oh, that molested yeah. no, Jason, I heard and they that. cut I heard that board that. out Whoa, Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, so, God. If you want to know more about those things? Watch watch the documentary uh, Crystal Lake Memories because mm. that'll cover everything you ever wanted to oh, know. Oh, that's on my queue. Yeah, it's really good. Um, so back to the show. So the show came out. Some people were pissed. They felt a little misled because they thought they were getting a Jason television series, which could have been fun. Probably mm. would have gotten old after a while. As much as <laughs> I'm a fan, week after week of just hacking up teams. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's something I'm sure they would try now and and have a lot more backstory but so they they uh but they thought they they wanted to use the friday the 13th title because it implies a day that's cursed and mm. this uh the story of the series is about an antique shop that has cursed antiques and you have uh two main characters mickey and jack and they are cousins who inherit their uncle's antique store and the antique store has a back room that's sort of a vault and it's full of cursed objects. And there's more cursed objects out in the wild that they have to go reclaim that have been sold to customers um, that are dangerous to them. Um, if you've ever seen the sci-fi channel television show Warehouse 13 and you haven't seen this, it's basically the same premise. Um, but yeah, so they, and they also have, there's a, I am blanking on the name of the other character, there's an elderly gentleman who uh, tags along with them for adventures and he's a uh, former colleague of their uncle who had made a pact with the devil and that's how these antiques all became per uh, cursed. Hmm. If you're interested in seeing Friday the 13th the series, um, it's available for sale uh, season by season or as a complete set from several different online retailers, uh, Best Buy, Walmart, probably on Amazon as well, uh, for varying prices. Or you can 
can watch it currently on YouTube. Now, you know, those are pirated, low-quality, low-res versions, but if you've never seen the series and you want to check it out, you can just Google Friday the 13th, the series, and there's, I think almost every episode is currently on YouTube. I don't know for how much longer, but they're there. Mm -hmm. So you can check it out for a minute. Um, I watched this as a kid. We may revisit it down the road. It's, in my opinion, not as quality of a show as Tales from the Crypt or Twi The Twilight Zone. But I've been watching the series in order uh, while I work in my home studio and just kind of having it on the background. And I came across this episode, which is the third episode of their first season, and it's called Cupid's Quiver. And I thought, oh, this is perfect. We'll just add this on as a little bonus watch for our Valentine's episode. Mm -hmm. And then originally this aired in 1987, and it's about a cursed Cupid statue that the uh, owner of the statue can sort of will its intention onto the statue to shoot an arrow at their intended, you know, love conquest. And basically, guy gets the girl to fall in love with him. They take off, go have passionate sex somewhere in a cheap hotel room or the backseat of a car. She tells him he loves him, and then the guy kills her. Yes. So it's kind of what's going on in these other stories. It, it's, it's like, if, she says, if she says, I love you, then that like that triggers the trigger. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't think they ever actually say that's the trigger. But it, the way the story's structured, it really implies that. So in this episode, we watch multiple guys with this statue. Two, I think, actually, just in general. Right. Um, and Well, the story... Later you find out is the statue was made for a certain guy that couldn't get the ladies. Yeah. Right. And then it was made in his image. Mm -hmm. Which, which is his why image it's is yes, halfway between Mike Ditka and Alfred E. Newman <laughs> trying to decide. Yeah, he was, this is not an attractive Cupid statue. No, yeah, it's, a, it's a weird Well, and it's, it's an animated Cupid statue. It's a claymation. Yeah. Very, very Charles Bandy, if anyone watches old... Uh, yeah. Full Moon movies like Puppet Master and and Demonic Toys. It's it's very much animated in the sense of it's uh, it's foam over wire and they bend it around a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's stop motion in that they did they probably moved it six times yeah, and, and went good enough. Yeah, it, it's one of those things. It's so ugly it fails to be creepy. It just takes me out of the moment whenever it moves its stupid little head and I'm like, yeah, get that thing out of here. <laughs> <laughs> The thing I thought was kind of interesting about this episode is that, one, it sort of takes the plot of the chaser and love to death and condenses it down into multiple incidences with multiple women getting killed. So mm -hmm. it's like a serial killer story with a Cupid statue instead of a love potion and a poison, but it's all accelerated. Instead of six months right. of marriage or a long-term relationship, you have this one night stand, bam, I'm done with you. But there's always obsession at the beginning because the guy mm -hmm. is obsessed with the girl who's rejecting him, which is what leads to him using the statue. And the guys are always kind of losers. Too. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. the first guy to, to use the statue in this episode, uh, uh, he, on his way to go ask the girl for a date, spits in his hand and then slicks his hair oh, back with the gross. spit. Yeah. Because nothing so turns the he lady like a, on, like a little bit of loogie hair. Yeah. <laughs> to me, he, he looked a little bit like if Carl Sagan just stopped um, writing books and started dealing meth. <laughs> like, he looked a little bit like, I 
could see that. Carl he Sagan. had the big Carl Sagan hair. Yeah, uh, and then had that look, and then just started selling meth or something. And he's carrying around that Cupid statue in a burlap, in a burlap sack. A burlap sack, sack. Yeah. And just leaves it on the bar, like, mm-hmm. to yeah. go talk about. Leaves it on the bar. I can only imagine, like, Will that be paper or plastic? So, <laughs> right. Burlap, please. Yeah. Or are you going to buy the statue a drink? Because otherwise you can't park well, it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Take it off space. Oh, yeah. If you left that in Portland, some hipster is going to fucking steal that. <laughs> like, right and so he takes uh, the first lady back to the honeymoon suite, uh, which has the giant love bed. Uh, it's, it's, got oh. a, it's got a heart on the So a heart-shaped on, headboard, uh, with, a headboard mirror, with a mirror. God. Oh. There's and like it, blinking red lights. Everything yeah, red is in neons and reds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, red. it's it's great. I mean, if you want to, all of these episodes are fun, especially if you want to, you know, drench yourself in the tackiness of the holiday. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> um, tacky. And this one, this one's good for that. Um, this and and I, I want to say the crypt keeper sequences for uh, love to death. At the beginning and end are also great for this right. uh, over Very the top tacky oh, yeah, Valentine's Day. Yeah. But um, yeah, so he, they they also a good portion of the plot centers around a college campus, well, which so is how, perfect because that's date rape central. So right. how they get to the college campus though is a bit of a stretch. So the first guy's murdering the first woman, and then the room gets busted in to try and save the woman. By a cop and a bunch of frat guys that were nearby for some they were drinking at the bar. They were in the bar. They were witnessing her being creeped out by the guy. Yeah. And so they all hung out by the door to listen to them have sex, I guess. And then <laughs> when it turned to murder, they instantly broke in. Yes. Yeah. But there's that. There's that great. Then the uh, the people from the shop are trying to track down the the Cupid statue, and they talk to the cop that was in a busting. Right. The guy, and he said, oh, the frat guys, I don't know, they were wearing these, you know, they wear those t-shirts with the frat symbols on them. Oh, well, do you remember what, do you remember what was said on it? Oh, no, I don't, I don't remember. It's all Greek to me. Yeah. Didn't, didn't. like, dun, dun, dun. Well, good, good this is the same there. episode so, as I said earlier. It's so they said, good. It's, it's a Cupid, stupid. Oh, that's right. Right. Right, the great writing. Well, I think it was written by Andrew McCarthy's character from the other <laughs> episode. That's it. That's um, it. But yeah, so the frat steals the Cupid because... From the crime scene. Pa- yeah, from a crime scene because part of their frat logo, for some reason, is a heart with an arrow through it. Because, you know, all frats have heart logos. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't even know frats that have logos. I thought it was just the letters. But. I'm used to seeing <laughs> 80s movies where sororities have pie worked into their names yeah, somehow, but I've never like seen a fraternity kind of a with a heart. With the letters. But, yeah. um, yeah, so they stole it, and it's now in their frat house. Yeah, and our, uh, our, our main perpetrator in this episode is... Creeper McGee. Creeper McGee, who Whoa. takes... Takes pictures of girls without their consent on is the college like campus. Is he like the fraternity janitor too? He's not no, so a he's, member. No, of the so frat. He's, he's like the the guy that gets kicked around that wants to be in the frat and right. they let him hang they out and use clean their him. stuff. Yeah, but they're never gonna let him into the frat. But he's like kind of their janitor. Kind of, yeah. Right. Like they, I don't think they're paying him. And he, no. li- and he, and he's he lives. Lackey. He lives in a boiler room of a. Factory, of a factory next maybe? to the college that weirdly has a telephone. Giant, giant yeah. abandoned yeah. factory with a telephone working in the telephone. basement and working steam pipes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It's very odd. It's strange. the The geography of this episode is a little a little puzzling. Oh, I, and everything's within a two block radius. So, oh yeah, <laughs> the town is the smallest. We town do is. have a potion used in this episode. It's not a love potion, but the uh, older gentleman who helps oh, right. uh, oh, the characters Mickey and Jack in their recovery of of different antiques gets in on the hunt, mm-hmm. and they kind of infiltrate a frat party, and, you know, Mickey's automatically invited in because she's a hot redhead, and I guess they're, like, tolerating she's Jack. she's got and 80% of her body weight is hair. Yeah, yeah. It's fabulous, great 80s It's hair. 80s, giant so, volumous. So their friend decides to get into the party by working as a bartender, and he's mixing up pink smoothies, and they go to... Take one, and he's like, oh no, these are special smoothies. So he slipped, was it? Sodium, sodium pentothal, pentothal. Which, is, which is a barbiturate, <laughs> and you shouldn't mix those with alcohol. Because he wants to give the frat boys a truth serum. He's slipping that to the frat boys to get, <laughs> yes. he's drugging them so that they can find out who has the statue, because they can't, they don't have a warrant, they can't just go search all the rooms. Yeah, so let's spike their but drinks so with a controlled substance. There is some drink spiking in this episode, so we have a continuity thing throughout oh, the, the shows we watch tonight. Beware of the pink drink. Yeah. <laughs> Tanqueray and tonic is what I drink. I don't want nothing colored pink. Ramones. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, it feels like somebody put something in my drink. I was going to guess B.I.G., but no, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, there, there you have it. Was there anything else anybody wanted to say about... Well, that- that whole episode still has some more to talk about. Some more to think. talk about? Oh, I mean, right. just, there's, there's a lot more to talk about. The, the only thing I want to talk about is the bees. Right, I've got, oh. in big letters not here, the not the bees! Not the bees. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Explain so uh, Creepy McGee, what was his name? Oh, Mickey? I did, no. no, Mickey and Jack uh, are the main are the characters. Main. Anyways, Charles Creeper McGee, who is just, he looks like Creeper McGee, because he, he, he is uh, Creeper McGee. Who did you say he looked like, um... Like, name? Oh, Wash from Firefly? He yeah, looked like a, he looked kind of like... Tudyk. Yeah. yeah, Alan Tudyk. If, if Alan Tudyk went really in character and did the old Popeye thing he does sometimes. Started using meth, maybe? Yeah, yeah another, a there's a lot of meth in this episode. Yeah. But anyway, so he he gets a hold of the... There's no actual meth in the episode. He gets a hold of the, the Cupid and figures out that it's something he can use for women... And he goes back to the same bar. Because he's stalking something. Because, you know, everything in this town is one block apart. There's one bar. Mm-hmm. There's one frat house. There's one There's one of everything. There's one date rape park. Right, one date rape park. With angry bees. And so he goes back to the bar. Um, he picks up his own girl to date rape. Brings her back in his truck to the outside the park. And then gives her honey. Yes. To, to sweeten, for energy, honey for energy, so uh-huh. they can have more sex, I guess, and then leaves her in the Ugh. truck, comes back with a beehive, throws the beehive in the car, <laughs> and shuts the door. That's his method of killing her. Which I kind of thought, I mean, so when he, started with, with the honey, when he started with the honey, I was like, 
is he gonna go get a beehive and throw it in? No, that's stupid. Right. Well, no, well I thought like thirty maybe seconds stupid. later, <laughs> I was like, yo. I thought maybe like badgers or a bear or like he was gonna go tire. Oh god, to, like... I wish it was a badger. But all of them is the best. Badger watch. Badger watch. <laughs> get in there. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so, death by bees. I guess maybe he sensed that she had a bee allergy? I just just thought he was going to poison it. I was like, oh, it's poison honey. It's straight up. That would have been easy. That would have made sense. That there were going to be bears or ants involved. That, like, it was going to be, like, an anthill situation. (laughs) Right, he's hired the anthill torturer for... Either she's allergic to bees or she's a type 1 diabetic. This is going to kill her. Somewhere she's dying. Um, so, yeah, he offs that one, and then he's going to go find his dream girl that he's been taking photos of mm-hmm. uh, over and over and over oh. again. And so she's everyone's cute. looking for the dream girl because she's the key to everything. And they can't find her because, you know, they're in the block radius but they haven't turned around yet. And they eventually turn around. Oh, oh, she was right behind us all the time. <laughs> there she is. We forgot to turn around. <laughs> and so, yeah, they find her. Then they go another block away to the abandoned warehouse. Mm-hmm. Or no, no, they bring her back to their shop. Right. Which is right. on the other and, two and, blocks and, away. And we should point out, she's acting really inconsistent at this point because we haven't seen her get hit with the Cupid's arrow. And the beginning of the episode, she's threatening to call the cops on the guy that's stalking her. And right. rightly so. And rightly so. But then later in the episode, she doesn't want to leave him because reasons. She doesn't want to come with I them. think we just didn't see a scene where she got shot by a Cupid's arrow. It's possible. I she think they want you to think that money. she's fine and normal so that you'll be surprised when she goes and calls him secretly later. Right. Okay. Not so secretly. But luckily our main characters listen in on every phone call made in their house. Mm-hmm. Well, which is you know. smart. Like any responsible adult yeah, would. Yeah, which you they should do. They live in an antique store. You can hear everything. That's why you own landlines still, right? Yep. <laughs> um, anyway. I keep them wired. So tapped. then they, uh, they, they double cross him by somehow stuffing eight pounds of red hair into a tiny blonde wig yeah and going to the abandoned factory um mm-hmm. where then she gets shot with the cupid nikki arrow gets nikki shot. yes nikki. Uh, and then she wants to protect him and then out of nowhere he's got he a has an axe <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> I did really like that. Really. You want to come and get it. Right. It was, it was a little bit choppy, you know? Like, yeah. it's, it's kind of hard to it follow, was. and then all of a sudden there's an axe. Well, because he, swing, he swings it in a threatening oh, manner. Get he, out. He swings it. Oh, God. Oh, that's good. I'll be here all the uh, uh. But he swings it in this, like, threatening manner, but his aim is a little off, and he hits one of the steam pipes. The steam goes in his face, and he... You know. Runs off, and, mm-hmm. but then there's a mad chase of cr- climbing over steam pipes. <laughs> right. Well, and, and apparently being knocked out cures you of your cupid madness. Oh yeah. Because because after after Mickey wakes up from being knocked on the ground, she's well. Fine. Also, after she was knocked out, though, he fell to his death from a pipe. That's true. So I think having the person that shot you with cupid die probably mm-hmm. is what. It's hard to be. It's like when you kill the head vampire. All the other vampires stopping vampires. Is it just me or did that guy seriously just fall eight feet? 
He may have just fallen eight feet. I think he fell far enough to break an ankle. Mm-hmm. And then... Oh, he, yeah. And then he just, like... Had an infection, and... <laughs> there was sepsis. That's and, it. And one of those bees followed him back. No. <laughs> and got some revenge. Because they were duped. <laughs> okay. I don't know. It's, so, yeah. It's it's yeah. an alright show. Yeah, like we were saying, not not quite the quality of Twilight Zone or Tales you know, the Crypt. You know, I enjoyed it when I was a kid. It doesn't hold my attention 100% because it's fairly 80s cliche as far as that kind of a show goes. But, you know, it's it's fun. It's worth, it's I, worth re- revisiting. I, I, I'm thinking about, like executives watching this as they're like pitching a show and they're watching a few episodes you know and, and the, the executives getting nervous and tapping his pen and this is finally like the third episode he's watching is like okay okay when when does jason show up <laughs> yeah <laughs> jason show up in this nope huh i mean i will say the pilot episode um is a creepy doll episode, and it has a very young Sarah Polly in it, and that was a pretty entertaining episode, and a pretty creepy doll. So hmm. I, I recommend checking that one out at least, and if you like that, then pursue it a little bit further. But it's not, um, when you hold it next to a series like Tales from the Crypt, or, um, you know, Twilight Zone, which I both consider both those series are classics, and also, oh, yeah. it's kind of an apples and oranges situation, because uh, Friday the 13th, the series is, a lot more like something like the X-Files. You've got a continuing storyline that goes throughout the series and continuing characters, and then they have their monster of the week, Antique Hunt, whereas, you know, something like Tales from the Crypt and uh, Twilight Zone or Night Gallery or a lot of the other shows we're going to be talking about don't have that. They're more like an anthology where each Mm -hmm. episode is its own complete story. So if you are looking for something like that and you want to, you know, revel in some late 80s nostalgia and like kind of a less good Mulder and Scully formula, then I would well, I also want to say, I'm really into big, big red hair. Yes. And why shouldn't you be? Well, right? no, I also want yeah. to say, no, she's very cute. Also, also like X-Files, uh, we discovered during uh, research for this that uh, this is all filmed in Canada, right? It is, filmed, it filmed is. in Toronto. Uh-huh. <laughs> I wrote down, there's so much denim in this episode. <laughs> was this filmed in Canada? Well, yeah. It was. It's 1987. Yeah, it's so Canadian tuxedos. Yeah. Oh, there's so much denim, and then like I think the the big weird frat guy with the fedora. Um, oh yeah. Um, he's got like a trace of like th- there's a little bit of a boot in there, and uh, so it's fun if you can catch those little kind of. Canadian things. And the Cupid statue is creepy, so there's, yeah. there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It's possibly the scariest thing of the entire episode. Yeah. Is the Cupid yeah. statue. Yeah. He's an angry Cupid statue. I kind of. Well, they kind of imply the, the Cupid statue is the one instigating it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, like the Cupid statue. Right. The guy. Yeah, it's he like the Cupid statue yeah. is the a demon or whatever the landlord's name was i forget you know he's the one oh. that's like oh yeah go get that girl i'll help you oh she loves you gotta kill her now yeah, that's a really good they point. actually like the character. cop even said you know he just kept saying that the cupid needs me to kill her or something like mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. know mini ditka yeah little, little mini ditka will alfred e ditka there is a possibility too i mean it's not 
a far-fetched story to come up with on your own, but there is a possibility, too, that the people who wrote this episode saw the Twilight Zone episode, you know, because this would have predated the, the Tales from the Crypt, but, um, by a couple years, but... Well, not the comic, though. Not the comic, mm. it, exactly, and it, it also, you know, that was not a the story. pretty yeah, classic yeah. season one episode of the Twilight Zone, so mm-hmm. I think it's somewhat known, and if you're a television writer in the 80s, you probably know Twilight Zone somewhat intimately if oh, you're yeah. working in the horror sci-fi right. genre. Yeah. And if you're working for a low budget uh, Canadian made weekly, you know, episode thing, then you're just grasping at whatever you can remember from anything else and writing it down on paper. And like, hey, yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> right, right. It's it's a little bit like you know. There's a lot of stealing going on in writers' rooms. Oh yeah. yeah. It's it's like when people Borrowing. start ripping off for or uh, uh, Lovecraft. You know, there's yeah. a lot of Lovecraft spinoff kind of things like that. Homage. homage. We'll definitely homage. we'll definitely be covering some Lovecraftian television uh, in love the future. Yeah. There's there's quite a bit of it in um in uh, the Night Gallery for one, and mm. I'm sure there's, I mean, the more you look, I'm sure there's there's a lot in other series as well. Um, I mean, we there's so many other series we want to get to. So do we want to wrap this up and then maybe yeah. Uh, close out and talk about maybe what what to expect come March. Um, March. Anybody else have anything else they want to say about any of these three episodes? Well, I love the just the um, you know, that overarching theme of the madness of love and you know, love driving you mad because mm-hmm. it can and and uh, so it's you it's do great. some nutty things when yep. you're in the I think are... yeah I think fear and love are like such a big is it, oh wait isn't that from Donnie Darko. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. you, either do, you either do things out of fear or you do things out of love or something. And, and, uh, and also the, the lifeline. The, uh, <laughs> the, the, the Freudian idea that, uh, that love and death are intimately related, Eros and Thanatos. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a deep psychological sure. thing. Right? Well, I mean, there's definitely sex and death are intimately tied together, too. I mean, mm-hmm. reproduction and death, you know, certain animals reproduce and then die immediately afterwards. And then there's the orgasm being called the little death. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's all interesting, bloody stuff this time of year. Mm-hmm. And we're going to celebrate Valentine's Day by going to see Bride of Chucky nice. at the Hollywood Theater. In Portland, which... Oregon. Take a drink! Now, Woo! Now, Woo! Now, there, now, right. now, there's a healthy relationship in horror. Chucky and Bride of Chucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so... That's an arranged <laughs> I want to I want to talk just a little bit about that because it's part of a larger series, an ongoing series that happens bi-monthly at the Hollywood Theater called Queer Horror, and they pick a theme movie every other month, and it's usually opened with either a drag performance or some burlesque. There's usually or a some combination. Yeah, of drag there's usually and a really great live performance. Uh, it's hosted beforehand, and it's hosted by uh, Carla, Carla Rossi. Yeah, sorry. Yes. You can finish if you want. No, it's it's hosted by Carla Rossi, who is a drag clown, and she's great. And if you're in Portland and you uh, happen to see that that uh, queer horrors happening when you're going to be visiting, or you happen to live in the area, I highly recommend going and checking out the series. Um, tickets usually sell out within a few days of the show, so if it's something you think you do want to check out, get your tickets in advance as soon as they're available through the Hollywood Theater website. Oh, and something really good is coming, too. Oh, yeah? 
I forget what it was. Oh no! Maybe I should, I should spoil it. Is it this month or is it something that you, for, for March? Because Bride of Chucky's the next one. It's on Valentine's for Day. For queer horror. Well, uh, uh, Brother from Another Planet, I think, is playing oh, I pretty think soon. That's that just, like, that, I think that may just have happened. just happened. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's oh, another one, though, and, too. And uh, Man Who Fell From Earth. Man Who Fell From Earth, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Like in a oh, yeah, we're, we have tickets. We got we're tickets go for that. that. So... You know, again, you guys are now just listening to our conversation. Okay, so we hope you all have a really fun and lighthearted Valentine's Day. And don't murder anybody. Don't stalk people. Doesn't involve any potions in your drink you didn't put in there yourself. No, Um, indeed. And also, for single people out there on Valentine's Day, don't sweat it. It's just another bullshit day. Just designed to, you know, make people lots of money. So, don't sweat it. It was all created by an Eastern Feature Syndicate. Yeah. Yeah. Eastern (laughs) Syndicate. Exactly, yeah. So, uh... So yeah, so this this is our our Valentine to you from the Haunted Davenport. And I'm not able to talk anymore because it's late at night. Um, We will be having an episode in March. I think tentatively we're talking about... Covering some Star Trek episodes. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the creepier side of space. We're going to boldly go. So we hope if you're listening to this hey, episode that you'll but, join us for that episode. Um, so we're going out. This is space and horror and everything. Um, mm-hmm. Will we need eyes to see where we're going? <laughs> I, just, I need to know. Wasn't the TV show. Was it? Uh, okay. <laughs> 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 I just need to know if, I, if I'll need eyes. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Oh, okay. Anyway, and uh, I mentioned this in our last episode, but I'm going to mention it again. Um, you can contact us at hauntedDavenport at gmail.com if you want to leave some feedback or you have a question or there's something you'd like to hear covered or you just want to say hi. We like that too. And if you're on Twitter and you're part of the Twitterverse, you can contact us at hauntedDavenport. We are Haunted Davenport with one D on Twitter because of the letter limit, and Haunted Davenport with two Ds, the regular way you would spell it, on Gmail. So, again, feel free to contact us. We'd love to hear from you and say hi. If there's a show from your childhood um, that you remember that you'd love to hear covered that's in the horror or sci-fi genre, we'd love to hear about it. Um, If you have thoughts about things that we've already covered or we made some grievous mistake and you want to let us know about it that that's great too um we're sorry we're not experts we're (laughs) just we're just a few people that are geeky about we're just a bunch of nerds hanging out in a house gathering watching some shows and having a good time but if if you do have any recommendations for shows we'd love to hear them don't expect us to know every show that ever existed we just found out about one just the other week called Monsters We Never Heard Of, which we might talk about sometime in the future. And none of us never even knew it existed. It no. might have been more of an East Coast thing, I think, possibly, but I'm oh, not I'm sure. I'm not sure. Well, that's a so. subject for another time. But yeah, let us know about shows you loved, because maybe we've never heard of them, and we'd love to check them out and talk to them, or talk about them. Talk about them. Otherwise, you run the risk of uh, 15 episodes about Night Gallery and <laughs> maybe a little eerie Indiana thrown in there for good measure. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, next, join us next month for our space horror episode. And 
think down the road we're gonna eventually talk about some alien autopsy stuff uh probably some get around to a monkey's paw episode i think as i mentioned erie and neanda we're gonna we're gonna cover that because erie and neanda is currently streaming on amazon prime <laughs> and um yeah thanks for listening as always and have a wonderful and creepy Valentine's Day. Watch out for Tiny Cupid.